0: about that a little bit he not only allows you to be a part but he knows you very personally and he has a plan for your life i don't know what that does to you but it to me it's pretty awesome to look at what god's created just by speaking in in having in who he is, what I've learned about who he is, and yet he looks down on this earth with billions of people, and he says, "Dwayne, I've got a plan for you. I got a plan for you, and I want you to do this. And when you're troubled, I'll listen to you, and I'll give you answers." When you don't know what to do, I'm going to give you direction. When you're rejoicing, I'm going to rejoice with you. Folks, that's that's just pretty awesome to me. It just kind of blows my mind that the God who set the earth in the orbit around the sun and keeps it exactly the right distance so we don't burn up or we don't freeze, who protects us from all kinds of dangers from space, still knows my name and lets me be a part of it. And what does he ask from me? He said, I just want you to love me and obey me. Love me and obey me. And if you'll do that, I'll show you things that will boggle your mind. I will carry you through journeys that are impossible for you to go through. I'll be with you when you cry. I'll be with you when you rejoice. And when you leave this earth, I'll be there to welcome you home. And folks, that just does something to me. An old country boy in deep east Texas that just had no understanding. And yet I get to be a part of that. That's what I was trying to say last Sunday. I serve an awesome God. A God that awesome is not a big enough word for. Okay. Get your Bibles out. If you don't have them, Lou is gonna or Charlotte, one of them is gonna put it up there on the board for us. We're gonna start in Matthew chapter twenty three, twenty two, and use verse thirty seven. What does that say? Can y'all read that? I believe it says, "You shall love the Lord your God, your God with all what your heart, with all your soul." And with all your mind, a quote from Deuteronomy, Jesus tells them how to love God. We're going to focus on one of these today, and that's the mind. And this, this was that 10-minute message I gave last Saturday night that needed a good 45 minutes, probably at least twice. You see, if this is how you are supposed to worship God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, I'm going to tell you what the enemy says. That's a battleground for you. In other words, those three areas that Jesus said to love God, there's three areas the enemy's going to attack you. Really, there's only two, because he can't have your soul when you're born again. All right? He's not going to attack somebody who he knows is already... On their way to hell, and but he'll try to keep them from getting saved. But for those of us who are saved, Satan's going to come after your mind and your body. Okay, that's a battleground. He's going to begin to work at and begin to d- tear down and try to disturb you and try to change your faith and sh- and, and and cause you to have doubt in your in your life. Because it begins to, to work in your mind. I remember 40 years ago when I got saved, I began to struggle with some things about how God could love me and with all that I had done. And I, and I really wrestled with that. How could he do that? I still wrestle with it. But you know what? I've learned to accept it because that's who God is. But what Satan used to do is try to go in there and say, you're not worthy of God's love. And I, and I start, you know, I'm not. I'm not worthy. You're not worthy of God's love. But what God assured me was, I don't love you because you're worthy. I love you because I'm God. I love you because I choose to love you. And boy, that helped me a lot. In other words, I didn't have to do anything to be loved. I was loved just because I was who I was and because he was who he was. But see, what was Satan doing? He was working on my mind. He was trying to distort my mind to cause doubt. So I wouldn't follow God. So I would begin to have doubt and in, in, on Wednesday night, as we're studying Abraham and Moses, and we're going to look at King David, uh, not this week, but next week, and we'll get into it, you see it throughout time. Satan was always trying to, to work on somebody's mind to pull them away. Well, how does he do that? What are some ways that you know of he works on, on your mind? Anybody want to get a testimony? It's a good time if you say, hey, I know how he works huh? He tries to distract you. He tries to pull you away, get your mind thinking about something else instead of him. But he also starts implanting little seeds of doubt in your mind. And he does that through all kinds of uh, devices and mediums. He can do it through somebody talking. He can do it through social media all the social media he does it through tv he does it through radio he does it through letters what is a thousand ways he can begin to distort you he begins to distort the teaching that we used to do in school to try to lead people away that's why there's a big debate now in our schools what do we teach kids well let's not teach them anything about history There's a thing about if you don't teach kids history, they are bound and determined to repeat the mistakes of history because we'll do the same things over and over. The thing about it is you can look at Scripture. God didn't change and people don't change. We will make the same mistakes they made 2,000 years ago. But what God is saying, I want you to love me with all your mind and not be distracted because Satan is after your mind. He'll alter it with drugs, alcohol, all kind. You name it, it just anything that will distract you. He begins to pull you away. He loves depression. I, I I deal with people with the depression all the time, and you know what he's doing with depression? He says, "Stay away from people, because you're not worthy. You're." You'd be fearful. So he causes them to pull away. The very opposite thing that they ought to do to overcome depression, because the depression, they need to get out and begin to be reaffirming and being a part. A lot of these school shootings that's going on, the common thread is they're loners. They're stuck out by themselves, and they play video games, but they don't socialize with anybody. So what's he doing? He's destroying their mind because they don't think rationally. But it's the same way with guilt. I've dealt with guilt in my life, things that I was ashamed of I did. And I had to come to grips with that guilt, saying, all right, God forgave that. Why can't I forgive that? Because that was part of my issue. I've told the church before. There was a time I, I, I was riding around with a, a friend of mine and his brother sitting in here today, and he said, do you believe in God? I said, no. I used to, but I don't believe there is a God. Because I can't see it. I can't feel it. I can't touch it. But when I got saved, I knew there was a God. But you know what? I was haunted by that thing I said. I said, how could God love me when I said he didn't exist? Because he's God. He can. I'd mess up. Still mess up. Open mouth, insert foot, you know wake up in the morning you're out to mess up that day so i used to mess up and i said god i i don't deserve forgiveness again over and over and over i keep messing up why don't you just take me out he showed me one night he said i can you see i was wrestling with one of those things one night and i was going to work on graveyard and and back in the old days when you got to the west side of mount pleasant with a holiday inn and all it was It wasn't this big intersection we have today. It was a four-way stop. Okay, that was all it was. He pulled up there, and hopefully somebody stopped. All the way from home there, I was just saying, God, I don't deserve forgiveness. I keep messing up in the same area over and over. I I just don't deserve it. And I got to that stop sign, and I stopped. And the Spirit just said, Dwayne, won't you just ask for forgiveness one more time? And I did. I said, God, just forgive me. One more time. About that time, a big truck just rolled right through there, blowing his horn, doing about 65 miles an hour. Thank you, God. Thank you. I was listening to you, and I finally stopped to be right. Now, I was saved. If I'd got killed in a wreck, I'd been all right. But my ministry and my mission in life would have stopped because I didn't want to be forgiven because I was Feeling guilty. And I wanted to hold on to their guilt. I learned a very valuable lesson that night. Allow God to forgive you when He wants to forgive you. Because He's growing you. And He's growing you. And He's moving in you. So when we worship Him, we need to do it with all our mind. Go with me now to Romans 1 verse 28. Because if that's the way He wants us to love us then there's a thing you need to understand about your mind when you don't get your mind right. Anybody ever been told that? You need to get your mind right. Those old-timers love to tell me that. Boy, you need to get your mind right. Because if you get your mind right, the rest of you are going to follow. That was something. Bud, I bet you've heard that a time or two, haven't you? Get your mind right, boy. In other words, you get back where you belong. As you get that right, the rest of you kind of follow. Maybe they don't say that anymore because they don't think about it. But I, I was told that several times and needed to do it. But there's a day that's here today, I believe, and coming. But I, I believe we're here right now. Look in verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. Would you say that we are there today? I'd say a whole lot of people don't want to acknowledge God any longer. God gave them over to a depraved mind. Now, what is it? Now, we're supposed to worship with all our mind, and yet, he said, God gave them over to that depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. In other words, there's a point in time in your life, my friends, that if you don't get your mind right, God said, I've had enough. I'm just going to let you live according to that. I hope there's none of you here today that way, but the world is there right now because God's already turned his back on some of them because they want wickedness, they want evil, they want to do everything opposite and contrary to God. So God said, you want it, I'm going to let you have it. You say, well, God didn't do that if he's God. He did to the children of Israel when they stood up and said, we want a king, Samuel. We don't want to just have God. Everybody else has got a king. We want a king. Samuel went to pray and said, God, they want a king. He said, I know. I'm going to give them one. I'm going to point one out to them. And then I'm going to tell you to tell them what they're going to get when they get this king. They get a guy named King Saul. He became king. A king wants to be have authority and he wants to be we're, uh, uh, wealthy. So what did he do? He exalted himself and took their belongings. Began to taxate them. He had authority. He could do it. They wanted him. So he began to take... Then he said... I need more people to serve me. So I want your eldest son. I want your best servants. I don't want the worst ones. I want the best ones. So I'm going to take them, put them in my army, put those in charge of my chariots. I need them to build these buildings. So I'm going to take the best carpenters, the best goldsmith, the best rock cutters. I'm going to take all the best and I'm going to put them working for me. And then you're going to pay for it. Well, folks, God did that to those special people that's called by his name and he'll do it today to those who reject him. And we're seeing the evidence every day when you see these idiots doing stupid things in life. Because sadly, they've allowed their mind to be consumed by the evil one or Satan or Lucifer or whatever, but they've followed the lie, and they've liked it so much, God said, I'm just not even going to reach out to you anymore. But if you're here today, that means you're not that far gone. He's still reaching out to you, or you wouldn't be here. So there's hope for you. But he said, I'll give them over to this depraved mind, and being filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, Deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant. I think he just went through the whole list of everything he could be disobedient to parent, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinances of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Now, let me ask you, have you watched the news lately? Who has the most rights in America today, the victim or the criminal? Now, what? The criminal has more rights than the victim? Isn't that what he said? They're going to get there. So you're going to tell me we're not in the latter days? We're not right here in Romans 1 right now? Because we've gotten there because we've allowed our minds to be deceived by lies, half truths. Ever heard of a white lie? Just a little white lie. I'm just going to do a, little, a white lie. Folks, when they make you swear in, I used to, when they made you swear in as a witness, they wanted the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Anything that wasn't the whole truth and nothing but the truth was a lie. It didn't matter if you was a little lie or a big lie. It was a lie. And if they could catch you in the middle of a lie, they could destroy every truthful thing you ever said. Oh, look at the lie. You know, I'm sure glad our politicians don't lie, aren't you? What are y'all laughing at? They tell you the truth every time they get in front of a TV camera. But they forget what I told them today, next week, and I tell them something different that they can go back. Oh, this is what you said last week or last year. Oh, well, I've changed my my thought. Yeah, you somewhere along the line, you were lying. We have learned to take down the wall of obedience. We've lowered the bar so low that anybody can do whatever they want as long as they ask for forgiveness. Folks, I'm so sick and tired of somebody saying something and then getting up and asking for forgiveness tomorrow. It just makes me sick, I think. Well, you, you do it over and over, and then you turn around and ask for forgiveness. That's kind of like standing on the, uh, up there on, uh, on the trial, and, and a, a, a lawyer says something in front of the jury, and the, so the other lawyer says, I, I protest or whatever they say, i object. And then the judge looks over at the jury and says, scratch all that that he just said. Like in your mind, you're going to erase all that stuff. It's there. They know that. There's no way. The more they say to get it out of your mind, the more it's there. So it may be stricken from the record, but it's where it needed to be. That's why they do that. Folks, we have swallowed all this mess from Satan. Christians are swallowing right now. That's why they're walking around without the faith they need to know who God really is. You've got to walk with Him. You've got to let your mind... Be focused on Him. Let's let's jump past 7 and go all the way to 12.1, okay? Romans 12.1 and 2. Paul spoke a lot about the mind. And when we get saved, y'all didn't see me do that. That's the only way I can make his page turn. You see, there was a problem with the mind even back when Paul wrote this letter. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, this is 12.1 in Romans, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, remember that's one of the things to do it, as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God, which is your spiritual service work, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your what? Your mind. In other words, your mind is being disrupted but he says, now as a believer, you need to renew that mind. In other words, get your mind right. Oh, old daddy was right when he told me I need to get my mind right. I need to get focused on what's real. My friends, you need to be focused on what's real. And if you're struggling with your mind and letting it wander and get into some stuff that shouldn't be there, every time you let junk in... Junk comes out. That was another old saying. Boy, I'm full of old sayings. Some of that stuff stuck. You know, if you put junk in, it's going to come out. You put good stuff in, then good stuff comes out. But you know where they got that? Straight from the Scripture. Jesus says, what's in the heart is what comes out. That's what defiles a man. It's not what you eat that defiles a man. He says it's what's coming out because that comes from the heart. Now what goes into the mouth is what's coming out of the mouth. Because the the, the, the voice, the the language that you're using and saying the words that you say are coming from what's the reality in your heart, which is revealing what's in your mind. Because that's where we're at. But Paul said, renew that mind. So how are you gonna renew a mind that's filled with corruption? You ever, any of you ever blown out an air filter? I know some. I'm looking at a bunch of contractors, a bunch of farmers. Y'all blown, anybody in here blown out an air filter? What, what are you doing? Huh? You're getting all the junk out of it. You. you take a hose and you blow and you blow and you blow. Sometimes you beat them on the side of a track of a bulldozer, you know. You get all that stuff out first, then you go blow because it's full. Well, the first thing you do to renew in your mind is you've got to start getting a lot of this junk out. In other words, go beat your head on the wall somewhere, you know. Let it come out of your ears. No, what you do is you quit letting it go in there. And you quit watching and doing and, and hearing. You quit doing all these things, and you begin to put good stuff in. And then you, you just blow all this stuff out there because it needs to be replaced. People said, what do you think about this new show? I said, I don't know. If it wasn't made in 1960 to 1978, I don't watch it. I'm still watching Andy Griffith. I, the worst show, I, the newest show I watch is MASH. They quit making it in 1978. I've seen every show of Bonanza and Gunsmoke that's ever been made, and I still like them. To this date, I've never seen Matt Dillon kiss Miss Kitty. <laughs> well you can't make a show without all those illicit scenes. Yeah, you can. The longest running Western ever was, and he ain't even kissed her yet. And they were boyfriend and girlfriend. Why don't you watch this new stuff? Because it's filled with junk. And yet people watch it over and over and they say, Well, it's not that bad. It's not that good either. Because there's so many little shows. I don't I tell you the worst thing I like to see right now is when on in the middle of gunsmoke, I see one of these stupid commercials. That's when I want to turn the TV off. Why ruin a good show when you got with a stupid commercial, two men up there kissing? Yuck. Festus, if we wouldn't put up, they do that. Because they're after your mind. And they're after the people who are watching these shows because they know you don't agree with it. So they're trying to sway your mind by corrupting it with this junk. I tell you what. I, I, I'm going to speak to the older crowd. Y'all remember the Winston commercial? The Winston commercial, Winston cigarette, that cowboy up there puffing on that cigarette. They never showed him when he was 65 years old and he's sitting there coughing and spitting up all kinds of junk and looking terrible, eyes about that far back in his head and he can't get on the horse. He was 30-something years old. He was a man. Advertise an alcohol commercial, you don't see a drunk laying over there on the corner. You see somebody's in perfect shape. Oh, Kennedy down there in, in, in Louisiana the other day made a commercial. If you don't like cops, call a crackhead. The crackheads got mad. And he took the commercial off. I thought it was truthful. You don't want a cop to come call a crackhead. But we're, we don't do that. And I promise you, he didn't want to take it off. Somebody made him. He will speak what's on his mind. But somebody says, well, you better get that off or we're not going to show it anymore. But you see, we, we've allowed so much junk into our lives. And then that junk comes into the church. And then it begins to work within the church, and all of a sudden people's minds are not right in the church, and then the church is not right, and they're rejecting God, rejecting His Word, and want to pick and choose what they like. There are all kinds of major things within Scripture that are debated within denominations now whether we're going to keep that or reject that. I'm scratching my eyebrow, but I'm scratching my head too. Who gives us the right to say what's right and wrong in this book? I mean, I've been asked, "You do you believe in this? I said, I believe in what the Bible says about it, whatever issue it is, you know. Well, that's not politically correct. I don't care. It's biblically correct. When I got saved and began to... God told me He want me to preach. I, I'd been in a church where they were politically correct, and I was lost as a goose. So I'm going to stand on the word because I don't want into a debate about this or that. Why do women not preach up here? Because women's got a special calling, and it's not up here. Oh, I made all the women men. No, God said men's supposed to be the spiritual leaders of the household. This is a household. Ladies are supposed to come alongside and help them. And men, you're supposed to love those wives. I didn't say that. God did. Why? Because women, we need your help. A few of you other women believe that neck deal too. The man's supposed to be the head of the house. He's supposed to give the direction. And God's gifted those ladies to come alongside us. It's not that they can't preach. I'm all for a, a woman standing before a woman's group and teaching. That's great. But I believe, the, I understand the word that the man's supposed to be the spiritual leader. That's why there was 12 men apostles. But there were women that came and served and worked, and, and Jesus loved them and cared for them, and He used them. He didn't downgrade them, He didn't put them away. But He had that place for them, He had a, a purpose for them. So I believe in that. Now I won't really take step on you, too, because I was asked this the other day. Well, what about abortion? I believe that's a sacrifice of children. The Moabites did that; they would take their they'd take their born babies and sacrifice them to their idols as part of a sacrifice. Folks, an abortion's the same thing. You're sacrificing a baby to, to your God, which is inconvenience. It's, um, it's just not the right time. I'm going to wait a while. Or I didn't mean to get pregnant. Well, you did. You know, okay, there's ways to not get pregnant. But when you get pregnant, that baby is a, a special child of God, and it needs to be born and be raised. No matter how it was conceived, it's still special. Hmm, well, I can tell I, some of you are afraid to step up, but you're, I think you'll be safe in here. It, I, I've also talked to women who have made those decisions. And years later, the ones I've talked to have said, you know, I always wonder what that child would have been. Barbara, Barbara miscarried one. If she hadn't miscarried, I always wondered, was that my other boy or was that my other girl? Was that somebody special? I, I don't know. But that was, that was God's hand doing that for whatever reason. But what if we had made that choice? Because we just thought it wasn't time or was inconvenient or maybe the doctor said there might be something wrong. I, I just don't know what I could live with because I preach it from here. that's what I live by. Because I got my mind right 40 years ago. At least I started working on it 40 years ago. I'm still getting it right. But it's a whole lot more right today than it was 40 years ago. I had to put that junk out of my mind. I had to put good stuff in. And I have to read. and I have to protect myself. Because there's things i got to guard or I will fall back in those same old tracks. So my challenge to you is today, as we close, what are you putting into your mind that doesn't need to be there? What is it that you're watching, listening to, participating in, or whatever, that's corrupting your mind? If you're saved, you need to renew that mind. Giving your heart and soul to Him and allowing God to cleanse you of that. What are you doing that's messing it up? What are you taking that messes it up? Boy, if you if Jim, once you get off in the bucket, you might well just keep going. Right, you can't get any deeper than the bottom. I'm gonna really step on some toes now. Folks, people said, "Will you believe in drinking?" I said, "Yeah, you can drink. It's hard. Right. Bible don't say anything about it, but he says it does do not 'Don't don't be taking anything that's messing your mind up.' I've been drunk in my life a few times, folks. I guarantee you, alcohol will mess your mind up. Then it will mess your body up. If you can't give that stuff up, you you need to, because it will destroy you." There was a boy out in um, Odessa, Texas that was 18 years old. He got drunk one night, had a car wreck, and killed a man and a woman. Never been in trouble in his life. Never been in trouble in his life. Never been arrested, never even had a speeding ticket. Got drunk one night and had a wreck, killed a man and woman. You know what he was facing? Life imprisonment. For vehicular manslaughter. Life in prison. One of our own church members right now is doing 18 years for the same crime. You tell me the alcohol won't mess you up? It'll destroy you. And even if it doesn't destroy the inside, it'll destroy the outside. Folks, I've been there. I've you gotta walk away from that stuff. You gotta give it up. If you can drink one and be all right and do it at home, okay, that's between you and God. But folks, don't keep messing your mind up with this junk. I don't care whether it's legal or not. You're just opening yourself up to destroy your life. But anyway, I'm I'm getting to the bottom of the bucket, I guess, but yeah, everybody's picking their feet up and putting them in the chair in front of them. Look, look at Jim. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, got a, he, got, he got them six inches up there. He says, quit stomping on toes. But why do I say this? I'm not preaching that you. I'm preaching to you so that your life will be better because I want your life better. I want you to have a walk with God that really just blows your mind when you get up every day. I want you to be able to hear his voice as clear as everything. We were supposed to get, the last I'd seen, less than two-tenths of a rain for today. Brad, you said it was up and down at one time with maybe four-tenths. I just went straight to the source, and I said, God, we need more than that. I told God, I asked God, I didn't tell God, I told God what I wanted. I said, God, I want to start raining and quit by ten thirty. I want four hours of good rain. What was it doing at 10 30 this morning? It was finishing up. Started about 6 20 at my house. You say, Would God listen to you? No. Not unless he wants to. We got a good rain. Good rain. And there again, I'm amazed that God gave me what I want. I'm gonna cheat a little bit. While you're here, tell him what tell one thing that you prayed for on on the sale of that store. You wanted it to what? On what day? The fourteenth. They didn't know what day was gonna close, and a bunch of others was praying because Jimmy wanted to go with a team today. But he couldn't go until they did it. They got exactly what they prayed for. Plus one other thing, and Jimmy will tell you that. Because he prayed one thing, she would prayed another, and they got both of them. Don't tell him I've already busted half his bubble. But it was so neat because I saw him. He was so happy. He said, while I was praying one thing, I was praying something else, and we got both of them. Because that's the way God works. But if your mind is messed up, you won't understand it. You won't see it. And you'll miss out on so much. Twelve tilts. Should have cut them loose early, Lou? (laughs) I don't see anybody asleep yet. I'm fixing to cut you loose because I know you and I know your heart and I know your desires because y'all have shown that. But I'm sharing with you what's on my heart because I want this church to blow this community away with a testimony of God's love. I want your prayers to be so if if. If they prayed and prayed and they can't get it, they come to somebody here and say, would y'all pray with me? Because I know God hears your prayers. I want them to know that they can come here no matter what, and God will speak to them and use them in a mighty way. We don't always get what we want, but we trust God to give us what we need. And a lot of times he blesses us with what we desire. Because he loves us. And it goes back to that deal. It's just amazing. The God who spoke everything into being. Will give you. What you desire. If you walk with him. Love him. Go back to that first scripture Charlotte. Very first one. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart. All your mind. And all your soul. Actually, it's not. It's all your soul and all your mind. But I'm I'm telling you the way I remember it. It's fitting to come up here. Keep on going. You're way, way away from me. I'm messing her up. I messed her mind up. Get your mind right. There she is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. Folks, if you will do that, God will transform you into something that will be amazing. Be amazing. You believe that? Are you up to it? Give him access to your mind, and I promise you, the body will change. And God will do stuff with the body. And may even get a sermon on that next week. We'll see. But if you're saved, The soul is protected. But the testimony in your walk is what's in danger. If you're not saved and he's deceiving your mind and your heart, then he has got your soul and he's trying to keep it. Don't let him have it, folks. If you've not invited Jesus Christ into your life, you need to do that today before we leave this place. And I'll have water in the baptism next week, 30 degrees or not, and you can join Brantley and you can follow the Lord with baptism because baptism is just a testimony of what you've done with the inside of you and that's the salvation but it begins with salvation that's that's getting wet if there's not a change in the heart and a trust in the heart that's just getting wet so if you need to if you need to Accept Jesus Christ. And I'm going to pray right now, and you can bow your head. This will be a closing prayer. But if you want to receive Christ, you just cry out to him right now and tell him you want to give your life to him, and he'll take you right now. Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you for these wonderful people that you blessed me with. I thank you for the task that you've set before us, for the community you've laid in front of us to reach out to. You've planted us here to be a tree of life to them. May we never forget it, never forget about doing what we've been called to do. May we be busy about your work each and every day. Bless each family and each individual here as they go their way this week. We look forward to those coming back next week from uh, their journeys and wherever they've been and um, sharing with us when they get back about what they've been through. We give you the praise now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you ask Jesus in your life, you need to come talk to me. We'll go from there. God bless you. Y'all have a great week. Shake somebody's hand before you leave.